0: Well, good morning, C4 Church. It's good to see you, and a huge welcome to those who are guests or visitors among us this morning. It's great to have you here. I'm so glad that you're able to join us uh, for just a great time of worship already in in this particular service, and huge thanks to the team who, you know, our worship teams who just give and give and give week after week after week, and I'm so grateful for them. Yeah, so thankful skilled people who lead me and lead us in worshiping our great god and a huge uh warm welcome to our online audience those who are going to be joining us a little bit later on in the week and perhaps even later on in the month well this morning we're going to continue in the series that pastor john started two weeks ago it's our new theme for the year and you saw it in the video we're all in this together and today i want to talk about giving joyfully Today we're going to get down to some of the real nitty-gritty on giving. And my goal today is to talk about some of the benefits to giving, some of the benefits that accrue to me and to you personally as we give. But more importantly, I really want to talk about attitude this morning. I want to talk about the attitude that each one of us should hold in our hearts as we give to the Lord. Let me quote Pastor John from the last two sermons. He said this in both of the sermons. By ourselves, it's hard to do big things, but together we can achieve huge things, and with God, all things. I want to be part of a local church that is doing biblical community, that is serving radically, that is giving sacrificially, worshiping passionately, praying expectantly, and inviting courageously. We're all in this together. And as we approach the subject of giving this morning... What John has been saying is so true for us here at C4. On our own, we can do really very little. Like my individual gift or your individual gift, like God can use it. But can you imagine what God is able to do when we get our resources pooled together and when we're all in it together? And together, God can use us to make an incredible impact. So this morning I'm going to be moving around the scriptures a little bit, but if you've got a Bible, whether you've got a paper one or whether you're using one of these, um, then uh, I would invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. I'm going to be using a lot of verses in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and, and 9. I mean, I'm going to jump around a little bit. But 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is where Paul is talking about the church in Macedonia to a church called Corinth. And, and the Corinthian church is really very interesting because on the surface, they really had it all together. They had all of the gifts. They had it all going for them. Like, that's the kind of church you kind of want to attend. And yet, below the surface, Paul was saying, in many ways, actually, you're a mile wide and only about an inch deep. And he uses the Macedonian church, a poor, poor church, as an example of what it means to have the right attitude when it comes to giving. And so we're going to be camping in Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 for a lot this morning. In Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5 is the verse really that I want you to keep in mind as we walk through this uh, whole thing this morning. In 2 Corinthians 8, 5, it says this. Paul is talking about the Macedonian church, and he says this. He says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. See, what you can't miss in this as we talk about giving, in fact, as we talk about all of the things about being in this together, this is for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. If we have given ourselves to the Lord, you can't divorce the types of things that I'm going to talk about this morning and the things that Pastor John has been talking about. Because to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to call yourself a disciple of of Jesus, means that you have to wrestle with these things. And so this morning, we need to wrestle a little bit with this whole area of giving. Are you a Christ follower this morning? Like, do you have a relationship with Jesus are you someone who would call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you are, then you have to wrestle with the area of giving. And so I want to help you this morning as we embark on doing that. I really want to do two things this morning, sort of high-level picture for those of you who, who like sort of just to know where we're going. Here's where we're going this morning. The first thing that I want to talk about is I want you to see giving as a benefit rather than a burden, because I think so many people approach giving as a burden, and I really want to dispel that myth this morning. The second thing that I want to do th- today is that I then want to talk about having, you know, hopefully helping you see that it's, that it's a benefit, not a burden. I want to talk about how do you actually go about giving? You know, there's so many times I talk to people in individual conversations, one-on-one conversations, and, and I'm amazed how often people just kind of miss the nitty-gritty of giving. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to look at that this morning because I, I want you to understand some things about giving and how to give. I mean, that's what I appreciated so much last week. You know, Pastor Don, John approached this area of worship, and he talked to us about worship last week. And so many of us could have just tuned out and said worship. I mean, I've been doing that for years. But, but he gave us some practical stuff, stuff that I hope impacted you as you even came this morning. I, I know I thought about last week as I came and prepared to come this morning. And so my hope is that I can give you some practical uh, advice on this area of giving. You know, I think a lot of people uh, approach or think about giving like they do about going to the dentist. Or some of you think about it, you know, you you think about giving uh, the same way you think about doing your annual physical with the doctor. Uh, Those of you who are under 50, you'll get that later on, okay? Okay. You know it's good for you, and you know you need to do it, but you dread it. (laughs) And I think a lot of people sort of look at giving that way. But I want to be part of a church that has a completely different attitude. Like, I want to be part of a church that approaches giving and money from a biblical worldview. I, I loved it last week when Pastor John encouraged us to stop thinking that worship is about musical preference and to see it from heaven's point of view? And that's what I would invite you to do today. Whatever preconceived ideas or notions you have on this area of giving, th- then I would, I would invite you this morning to just temporarily lay those aside and to think and to look for heaven's point of view when it comes to this whole area of giving. So could I humbly ask you this morning as one of your pastors here at this church that you just, please, don't tune me out. You will wound my soul I'm a fragile person. I like to be liked. So even don't close your eyes. Don't even pray with your eyes closed. Keep them open and smile occasionally at me. This is hard enough, my friends. (laughs) But seriously, if you've got money problems, I understand. If you've been burned by another church or by this church in the area of money or giving, then I'm really sorry. But God has some things to say to us about money. And it's incredibly important for us to hear. So let's launch into this whole area of giving. The first thing is I'd like to see, I'd like us to see, and I'd like you to consider, and I'd really like you to think about the fact that giving is a benefit and not a burden. There are a number of benefits from giving. And remember, we're talking about Benefits to those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ because this is all about discipleship. This is a discipleship issue Let me highlight some of them For you that I have thought about the first one is this that giving is actually a catalyst for worship It's a catalyst for worship I've never really thought of this and I've never really heard anybody preach on it before But do you know that when we give and practice generosity? It's a catalyst for worship Look at Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses twelve through fifteen. Paul is summarizing what he's been talking about in worship and he says or in giving, and he says this to the Corinthians this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. You see what the Scripture is saying here to us? You understand what these verses are saying? Do you see what a biblical worldview of generosity is informing us of? One of the results of generosity, one of the results of your giving and my giving, is it results in other people worshiping God. It's a catalyst for worship. Did you know that here, even in C4 this morning, I mean, we just finished the giving part of our worship, but do you know that some people praised and worshipped God this morning because you gave? There's a direct correlation there are children who have been worshiping and praising God in age-appropriate services back here because you gave to God. The, the fusion gang that came in and invaded the front here are off there praising and worshiping God because you gave and because of your generosity. And there are people around the world, because we give to missionaries and we're involved in missions, there are people around the world today who are able to gather together and have been empowered and equipped to worship and praise God because you gave. It's a catalyst for worship, friends. And I love what the Apostle Paul says. Here's the result. It results in overflowing expression of thanks to God. But there's a second benefit that's even more subtle in this. The Apostle Paul says also in these verses that when the recipients of your generosity, of your grace of giving, when they actually receive and they worship God, they remember you in their prayers. You know, having spent a bunch of time in East Africa, if you want some people praying for you, get those East Africans praying for you. Because those people pray And because of our generosity, there are people not only at C4, because of your generosity, there are people not only at C4, but people around the world who are remembering C4 in their prayers. And we need those people praying for us. The second benefit I see for giving is that giving draws me closer to God. It was Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 who said this, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And the order is very, very important. Where your treasure is, your heart follows. Whenever I put my money, that's where my heart will be. Jesus speaking here, when He talks about our heart, He's talking about our affections, our interests, our passions, our desires. And so, you know, if I pour my money into my house, then my heart follows. If I pour my money into my cottage, then my heart follows. If I pour my money into my car, my heart follows. If I pour my money into my motorcycle, my heart follows. See, our heart always follows our money, and so we need need to think about where our money is going. And there's nothing wrong with those things that I've listed. There's nothing wrong with houses. There's nothing wrong with cottages. Nothing wrong with cars. And there is definitely nothing wrong with motorcycles. Can I get an amen? Somewhere my mother is cringing... But it's really a matter of the heart. See, that's what, that's what Jesus is trying to say. You can't say that money is just... You know, money is an inanimate object. It's just a currency that we deal with. It's not. It's a matter of the heart. Because the heart is entangled with money. And how we handle this is so important. The third thing that I see as a benefit is this. Is that giving is an antidote for materialism. Like, we live in a materialistic culture. I think all of us you know, no one would really argue with that. When I travel to East Africa and when I spent time in Uganda and Kenya, you know, the enemy is so much in your face. The schemes of Satan just seem to be like, they're so stark, it's, you know, I've, I've, I've encountered and I've seen stuff there that I have not seen in Canada or anywhere in North America. Like in Uganda, where, where I do a lot of work and partner with some people, child sacrifice still happens in Uganda, and you go, oh my goodness, how, how can a country even put up with, like how, how do these people not see? And yet when I talk to my African friends, they look to us to the west and they say, oh we see the schemes of Satan, materialism, your wealth, your prosperity, they, they look at it the same way and they groan the same way that we groan over things like child sacrifice because they see it as an obvious tactic of the enemy to ensnare God's people so they don't release all that they should release to Him. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul, speaking to a young pastor, says these things. Command them, and he was talking about rich people, to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and to be willing to share. And always the problem with that verse is you go, well, it's not for me because I'm not rich. <laughs> really? I think we live in the best country in the world to live in. I think we have been blessed abundantly so much. We are the rich people of our planet. And so the command comes from a seasoned veteran pastor to a young, timid pastor. Command them. Command those who are rich to be rich in good deeds, to do good, and to be generous and willing to share Giving is an antidote to materialism. And when we learn to give, we show that we're not consumed with consumption. We show that it's not always about getting. One author I read said this giving is the only drain plug for greed. Giving is the way that we drain greed out of our souls. But I also see giving as an investment in eternity. We all know you can't take it with you, but you know what? Scripturally, you can send it ahead by investing in people who are going to live for eternity. In 1 Timothy six eighteen and 19, a continuation of that verse I just read, command them, rich people, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can take hold of the life that true is truly life. We need to invest in the kingdom of God. We need to invest in eternity. And while it's true that none of us can take our wealth with us, we can certainly send it ahead and invest in what's going to happen throughout all of eternity. You know, I, I did some research on that this week, just, you know, curious, fun with figures. And so I went on to, like, the Stats Canada website. Did you know that the average Canadian saves $3,544 a year? That's the average Canadian. Just over $3,500 a year. Most of that in RRSPs. But the same average Canadian gives $446 to charity. Now, I know we're different here at C4. Thank God we are. The average giving here at C4 is just over $1,000 per person. So there's a lot of people out there Saving and not investing. (laughs) A lot of people are, are, you know, planning for a rainy day, but not planning for eternity. Giving, we need to understand, as an investment. It's an investment in eternity. And how much am I investing and what kind of return am I looking for? See, I think when it comes to giving, one of the problems that we have is a lot of people have this Old Testament view. In the Old Testament, there was this prescribed number, and people were like, oh, there's the number, he's going to say the number, it's the tithe, there it is, it's the 10%, it's out of the bag, there you go. And that was, that's what what happened in the Old Testament, and God told people exactly what to do. He said, give a tithe of everything, just 10% right off the top of everything. See, the problem with this is that so much of the Old Testament is that this led to people seeing giving to God as a religious tax. And we know how people feel about taxes. So Jesus comes along in the New Testament and he says, I'm not going to tell you how much to give. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, I'm not telling you how much to give. I'd just rather tell you why you should give. And if you can get that, if you can get that shift, it changes everything. God doesn't come to you and me and say, okay, here's the number, Dave. you got to meet this quota. He comes along and he says, hey, Dave, let me just remind you of everything that I have done for you. And when I understand that, it changes everything. You see, your attitude is way more important than the amount. God, really, honestly, friends, I'm convinced of this. God doesn't care about the amount. He really, really cares about the attitude. So I think these are some of the benefits for giving. I really think there are huge benefits to you and I giving. But then how should I give? Let me get practical and let's turn to the how of giving. So what I'd like to do now is to give you what I believe is the biblical worldview for giving. If you want to be more like God... If you want to get closer to God, if you want to buck the trend of materialism, and you want to invest in eternity, then there are four aspects of giving God's way that I'd like to share with you this morning. The first one is quite simply this we need to give willingly. Your attitude is always the proper starting place. We need to start with our attitude. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. God, God does not need your money, but he wants you to give because it shows that you acknowledge that everything is owned by God and that you and I are just simply managers. Like, what do you give a person who has everything? Like David said it in Psalm 24, right? The, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the people in all who live in it. So what do you give somebody who has absolutely everything? See, the, God's not interested in, in the amount, but what God is interested in is the attitude behind why you would even offer him anything in the first place? In Second Corinthians nine and verse seven, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church and reminding them of the poor Macedonian church, says this: "Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Each one of us should give what we have decided in our hearts to give. The amount is not the issue. The heart attitude is the issue. God re- rewards people for their willingness, not their wealth. You make decisions ahead of time that you're going to give. You decide how much you're going to give, and then you just do it. You just do it. And God is not impressed with how little or how much your gift is. When God looks at Jen and I as we have talked about how much we give, God is not impressed with that. He's not like, oh, oh, wow, Dave, that's amazing. He doesn't do that. What God wants is a willing heart. What God wants is someone that is not reluctant to give, but is actually eager to give. God gets really impressed with an attitude that is right before Him. So we need to approach God with willing hearts, and we need to decide how much we're going to give. Practically speaking, this is a great way of protecting you and I against scams, Like, you should never feel pressure to give. Leading from God is one thing, but pressure is another thing altogether. You should know exactly what you're going to give. You should have decided already in your mind and in your heart, and if you're married, you should have talked about it, and you should have prayed about it together. You should already have made the decision. That way, when you get into pressure situations, you don't buckle the pressure. Now, you can be open to the Spirit's leading, and you need to pray constantly that if God is leading you to do something. And let me say to those of you who have the gift, the spiritual gift of giving, we need to know how to develop your giftedness more and more. Like all of the other gifts, we need to be able to develop it. But I want you not to succumb to pressure when it comes to this area of giving. We need to be willing and ready to give way before we get to the place where the... Ask is being made of us. The second practical thing I want to encourage you with is this give joyfully. See, you and I will never be able to repay God for what He has done for us. So if you're thinking that giving is somehow the installment plan to pay God back, you're wrong. It's not. Like how do you repay a God who has given his life for us? How do you repay Jesus for dying on the cross for you? with our finances and with our belongings. How do you, how do you pay your way into an eternity, to, to a season that will last forever? Will there be no more sickness, no more crying, no more death, no more pain, no more sinful nature, where I'll be able to sing harmony, and where I'll be tall and I'll get my hair back? How do you repay God for that? The answer is you can't. So get over that part of it, And give willingly and give joyfully. Give because you can. It's a worship response. It's a worship response to the God who has done so much for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the second part of verse 7, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's a great verse. And, and, and preachers have, have, you know, rightly said that you know the Greek word for for, um, for cheerfully here is hilaros. but it's and our and our English you know uh, derivative of that is hilarious, but it doesn't carry the same meaning. It's not like oh, we're just like village idiots in giving. You know, that's not what it's that's not what it's about. That's not what it's saying, right? What what it's saying is if you do the hard work and you look at the Greek language, what it's talking about is it is joyful giving that is prompted because God has done so much for you and I. That's why we're cheerful givers, because God has done so much, and we acknowledge that. We are not people who have forgotten our God and what He has done for us. We remember all the time what God has done. So God wants us to be joyful givers, and He wants us you know, to give joyfully, but also to give uh, willingly. The third one is this. I believe God wants us to give regularly. When you and I give regularly, we're saying a number of important things about our relationship with God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul said this, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Giving regularly reminds me that God is number one in my life. Giving regularly means that God is part of my planning and my spending patterns. Giving regularly means that the church can count on me to be active in the ongoing ministry of this community. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. He says this: He says, set aside. This is a whole idea of planning. People who are anti-planning when it comes to giving, I don't, I don't believe it's biblical. We're to set aside. We're to plan on what we're going to give. See, we have to plan this out because of its supreme importance in managing our finances. See, I've already said it. Look, let's, let's forget the amount for a second. I don't care if you decide in your heart that it's a dollar a week that you're going to give to God. And I don't care if you decide in your heart that it's $100,000 a week that you're going to give to God. So we've dealt with the amount thing. God's not impressed either way. But you need to set it aside. (laughs) You, You need to plan it. You need to be intentional about giving. And so often I've talked with with students and when I've talked with young families who have found themselves in the crunch of life, overextended, struggling. And I keep saying over and over again, it's not about the amount. I don't care about the amount. Please don't feel obligated. Don't feel like you have to pay some installment plan to God. Decide willingly and joyfully in your heart. And if it's a dollar or if it's a thousand dollars, just set it aside and then give it. But we need to plan. Now, this verse also says a sum in keeping with their income. This is the principle of proportional giving. See, God doesn't expect everybody in the church to give the same amount, but He does expect us to sacrifice equally. See, again, He doesn't care if it's a a dollar or a hundred thousand dollars. person giving a dollar, that may be a sacrifice for them. The person giving $100,000, that might be no sacrifice whatsoever. It's about equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. And it's one of the core values of this church. We believe this so strongly that we need to share the burden together because we're all in this together. Well, then finally, we need to give expectantly. I find that this aspect of giving is so often overlooked by many Christians because they've heard too many abuses when it comes to the concepts of giving to God. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows, sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I'm no farmer. I'm not even the son of a farmer. But here's what I do know, you know, is that if you want a lot of plants or you want a lot of crop, you have to sow lots of seeds. Even I get that. That's exactly what the Scripture is saying to us. If you don't sow, you can't reap. You just can't. Now, I imagine in these days of a struggling stock market and low interest rates... You know, that if I was able to say to you here this morning, I can promise you a 10% return on your money. Some of you might be interested. What if I could tell you that I can guarantee you 15% return on your money? Some of you are getting excited. (laughs) Look, I know the economy has been bad for the last few years, and many people have seen their portfolios shrink significantly. Now, I don't have lots of money. (laughs) Like, honestly, I don't. But I'm here to tell you this, that through the whole recession and financial disaster of the last few years, Jen and I have done unbelievably well. I've made some, and we have made some investment decisions that have way outperformed the market. See, Jen and I invest 10% of our income in C4 Church, and Jen and I invest another 5% of our gross income in Uganda, through international teams. And we have seen God do some amazing things. And not just the things on earth. Can you imagine what eternity is going to be like? Can you imagine when when we're there in eternity and we're singing before God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're worshiping, And someone comes up beside you and says, are you Dave Adams? Like seriously? And this dark skinned brother says, thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for the teaching that you did. Thank you for your leadership. But because of what you did, I'm here today. And I hope that we're going to the generations who have gone before us, the people who have been faithful down through the years, to the kingdom of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in those days, we can go to them and say thank you because other people have led the way before us. Now notice that I said invest, not give. Very intentional. See, everything changes when you stop acting like a taxpayer and you start living like an investor. Everything Changes. And being as pastoral as I can this morning, so many of you think it's a tax, and it's not, friends. It's an investment that you are free to make in the kingdom of God. Invest wisely. So here's the key thing to remember in this whole area of giving. God is way more interested in my attitude than He is in my amount. Can you imagine what God would continue to do through this church? Can you imagine how we could impact Durham region and the entire world through generosity that is unparalleled? See, we're all in this together. So let's give generously. Let's give sacrificially. Let's give joyfully and willingly, but let's give expectantly and trust that God is going to do way more than we could ever imagine or think. Let's pray together. So, Jesus, um, you know, first of all, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being part of a church that is willing to to talk and listen about stuff that is tough. And I thank you, Lord, that money and giving has not been abused in this church, and I pray that you would keep us from error or from sin in the future. And I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have given us so much. And I pray, Jesus, now... That for myself and for this community that I love that you would take us into new depths of generosity as a people so that the world might know the glory of your name and your amazing grace and love so now we worship you in response to all that you have given to us may our worship be an example of our extravagant giving to you And may you be pleased in your son's name. Amen.